From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 148, and today I'm joined by Jagawan Sohal, who is a writer known for kids' shows such as Dino Dana. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The NeverEnding Story. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this film, but not for a very long time, to the point where I remember a couple images more than anything, so it's kind of a rewatch for me. Hi, I'm Jag Sohal, and I've never seen The NeverEnding Story. Although it kind of has like a little bit of a legend for me when I was growing up. Tell me the story. So, you know, as a kid of kid of the 80s, like, you know, when I would, you know, into He-Man and Transformers and G.I. Joe and all the cartoons and everything like that. And I think there was like a glut of like fantasy type movies around yep. that time. Like there was Dark Crystal. Yeah, yeah. What year is this? I'm trying to remember. I think it's 84. I'll look it up while you're telling I think, the story. I think I was like three years old. And then... Um, but yeah, like there was like Dark Crystal, there was Willow, there was Labyrinth, those kind of movies. And for some reason, um... Well, Star Wars had come out and kind of made it very... 84, you're right. Right. Made it very popular. And I never really got into those those fantasy things for some reason, right? Not because I thought it was lame or anything, but I just never was really into it. And then, uh, so it was just one of those things as, cause like as a kids writer, you kind of think like, maybe I should watch like, you know, the, tr- you know, the classics, the know? classic tropes. Yeah. Right. See. And, um, it just, it's just one of those movies that just kind of fell away. It's, I never got into it. And then stranger things last season, you, you've watched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they had that great joke when they're singing the song. Cause the song is always yeah, 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 like yeah. around, right? Cause everybody knows that song. So I was like, Hmm, maybe I should like. Find a way to watch this movie somehow, and uh, oh, yeah. I just watched Willow over the Christmas break right. for the first time. Yeah, and how did that go? It was good. It was one of mine for sure. Right. It was also I'm like, oh, this is rough. <laughs> just in terms of more that it's like, uh, you know, Warwick Davis isn't the, the best actor. Right. He's not. Ter- he's gotten better with age. Sure. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the Ricky Gervais. Yeah, show? the Ricky Gervais yeah, show yeah. he did. That's yeah, it was really funny. He's great in that. But back in this time when he... Because he was essentially just like a guy that was in the suits in right. the Star Wars movies. And this was his first real starring role. I, re- I remember like growing up, Willow was like really popular yeah. with the kids. And I never I never got into it. Val Kilmer's in it and he's yeah, amazing. Like, it was like one of his like breakout with yeah. Top Gun, I think. And then, um, yeah, but like going back to Never Ending Story, like... I remember watching a commercial and seeing like the flying dog or whatever. Uh, Falcor. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know what this is. It looks kind of like Masters of the Universe, like that movie. Yeah. You know, I think I became more of aware of the sequel before the first one because I remember watching it like on a Saturday morning. You saw the sequel? I never saw the sequel. Okay. But I saw the commercial for the sequel. Gotcha. During like Saturday morning cartoons, like in between. Yeah. You know, GoBots and whatever. It's okay if you had. I've had people on here that have seen like the second movie in a series, but not the first. And it's like, how the hell fuck did that happen? Bro? No, again, it comes back to that song. You know, like that song is like really, it just gets stuck in your head. Like, I'm sure I saw the sequel, but I don't remember it. Yeah, and you know, like I don't. It's not. A, I don't. Is it an American movie? Like, I think it's like German it's, or Scandinavian. Well, Wolfgang or Peterson's the director, and this oh, is really? like the. <laughs> It's I didn't not even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. You know who he is, yeah. right? Like he's done like Air Force One, and yeah, he, Troy, he mostly does like thrillers. Like yeah, yeah. He did but just before this. He so he had made mostly German films. They kind of break out. I think the, the North American breakout he had just before this was Das Boot. Right, right. And then this was the movie he made after that. So this was this was made in Germany. Right. And at the time, uh, if I'm getting my trivia correct, <laughs> it was the most expensive movie really? German movie. Oh, okay. At the time. <laughs> wow. 
But I mean, like, it had a sequel and everything, so it must have been a big. Yeah, it, I feel like the sequel came out a f- like in the '90s, like almost a decade later. No, I think it was like late '80s. Was it? Because again, like I had this vivid, you know, yeah, yeah, watching that commercial, you know, like it's just like these little things, like because. The 80s was so, like, if you're a kid, it was so... All the media was so, like, kid-driven with toys and everything like that. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm kid of the 80s through and through. Cereals and all that thing, and all that kind of stuff. And I just... It's just one of those things. And I don't... I'm not an anti-fantasy guy, but it's never really been something that I've been... Like, I really, like, gravitated towards. Um, yeah. You know, because some people are like... Oh, I didn't grow up with it either. Like, my, yeah. uh, my parents didn't watch that kind of stuff. Like, I didn't see Star Wars until I was in my teens. Really? And the first one I saw was Jedi. Was Return wow. of the Jedi. Because my neighbors were watching it, and that's what was on. And that was so confusing. Right. Because I didn't know anything about... Uh, you know, all the backstory was not wow. coming across. Yeah, I can't and imagine. and so I got into that. So I saw that, and I was I was intrigued enough that I went back and rented the other ones and watched mm. them in order. And was like, oh, this is way better if you watch them in order. Um, I've never been into Star Wars. I'm, I've yeah. never liked it. I'm not. I don't hate it. I just I can't. Like I tried watching the new ones. I tried the prequels. It's just something about. I guess it's like. I guess when you're a kid that age, like there has to be like a character in those things that you gravitate towards that like you can identify yourself as. Yep. Like, you know, if it's Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Was Raphael your Ninja Turtle? He was my guy. Nice. And Same. I, I love Raphael. You know what's weird is like everybody didn't seem to like Raphael growing up, but you know, everybody was into Michelangelo because he was so funny. I thought Raphael was the funny one for some reason. Yeah. Well, in the cartoon, I, I don't know. In the cartoon, he was because he was more he was of a smart ass crack guy, right? Yeah, I thought he was funnier than Michelangelo. Michelangelo just said dude a lot. And I think like you know, in Ghostbusters, I was like Winston for some reason. You know, I, and no one likes Winston, but I love Winston. Winston's the Ringo of the Yeah, and I just love sure. Winston. I was like, because I, yeah, I, I watched the cartoon before I saw the movies. I love that cartoon. Yeah. You know, Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, where Winston definitely had more of a part. Yeah, yeah. In, in the in the movies, it wasn't really. No. Well, do you know the story of who originally was supposed to play Eddie Winston? Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. And, Which, then, and when they recast, they totally slashed the part yeah, down yeah. to almost nothing. And so poor um, Ernie, uh, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Gets gets like the new draft of the script. It's like where's all my scenes? It's like oh well, you're not Eddie Murphy, so they're Poor gone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Poor Ernie Hudson. But yeah, I mean, um, going back to Star, I don't know why we're talking Star Wars now. That's okay. We bounce all over here. But it was like, but I think like it, it. It was just one of the. I didn't really gravitate any of the characters. Like I never. I mean, Luke. I guess Luke. I, Han Solo. Everyone is the one that everyone loves, right? Because yeah. he's the roguish, whatever. And everybody kind of thought Luke was kind of whiny, I guess. But I just, I don't know. I never... Never... No. That's fair. And so what do you know about NeverEnding Story? You know, like... The I, dog. The, the, fall, do, the flying court. dog. You know, the song. And that's about it. Like, I, I think... Okay, this is me... Going what do you think it's about? I Let's play that game. I think it's about a kid who falls into, like, a magical world or something like that. But isn't that like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe or like that's a lot of or that, something? Sure, but it's a lot of movies yeah. and stories, so <laughs> that's a fair assumption to make. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just that's that's all. I, I just I remember after that Stranger Things joke, which is like the best joke of the whole series, which is so incredible. You know, I, I listened to the song on YouTube and I was watching. It. I was, okay, so spoiler alert: if you haven't watched season three of yeah, uh, of Stranger Things, have you seen it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. If it wasn't for singing that fucking song, Hopper would have lived. Assuming he's he's still alive or not, not or died. Yeah, they did waste a lot of time. They took a long time to sing that song, and they did, they could have cut it short. And <laughs> I'm just saying, it came down to the wire for Hopper to live or die, and it's because that fucking song. And they didn't need to sing the whole thing. There's blood on your hands, girl with glasses. I can't remember her name. And, and Dustin, <laughs> the blood is on their hands. I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, he might still be alive. He's yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> he's in the German prison or wherever they got him. Yeah, captured. Russia or whatever. They, There's wherever. no way they killed Hopper. No, he's like the main. He's like the most. He's the coolest yeah, character he's on the, the show. Best character on the show. And he really came into his own in season three. I, I just love that sequence where you know they're singing and all you know they do the shots where it's like everybody you know the kids in the car are like what's going on and Winona Ryder's like. Banging your head against the wall. I just love that. Oh, it's a great sequence. And I, I would... <laughs> I, I think it's the best in the whole I wouldn't season. trade it for the world. But <laughs> that said, when I rewatched it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, and I, I just... I, I wonder, like, is it... 
is Neverending Story as beloved as peop- as like as it seemed to be in that show? Like that show, it was like there's a. I know, think there's. I don't a remember mis- it being that. I mean, you don't see people walk around with Falkor T-shirts, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I think is the the sign. I don't know. It's like I think it's one of those movies that it's probably a seminal movie from the '80s, right. but I don't think it's the kind of movie that people shame you if you haven't seen. It's just right. more like, oh, you never saw Never Ending Story. Yeah, I think um, it's not like if you never saw like, Star Wars, if you never saw like Indiana Jones movies like that. Yeah, and I think like you know, like as, a, as in terms of kids' films. You know, I, it doesn't seem as iconic as like something as like Goonies or Home no, Alone. No, I don't think so, or something like that. But it, you know, I think like I, I, I don't know the box office, but I'm sure it did significantly well. But I think German it's one movie. of those ones where it's like it uh, it has a couple things that it's known for, like Falcor. People know Falcor because yeah. I had a dog growing up. His <laughs> name was Woody, and he looked like Falcor. He right. was a lap apsu, and so he had like the same kind of face. And that was the reference. Everyone's like, "Oh, he looks like Falcor." It's like, yeah. And that was that. I think it was made people know Falcor and they know the song. Yeah, and like the, the the fact that you said the name Falcor, I didn't know that was a dog's name, but I know that name from somewhere. Yeah, you know, well, it's, I was like it's now, I, now I know. Name. Like, you know, it, it's like. Um, <laughs> it's just, but it, what'll be interesting now? And again, like I don't remember this movie very well. I definitely saw it when I was a kid, but it wasn't a movie that I returned to. Yeah, maybe ever. I might have seen it only once. So what'll be interesting for you in particular, but me as well, is watching it and being like, oh, that's where this is from. And seeing if there's any other pop culture yeah, stuff so. that, that I forgot was associated with this. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool, like, you know, if there's something in this film that The Simpsons did a take oh, off. I knew you I, I was going to say Simpsons too. You yeah. know, like, and that would be amazing. I'd be like, I'd blow my mind as a Simpsons, as a huge Simpsons fan, that would, like kill me like there's a lot of old movies once you watch some simpsons jokes suddenly get unlocked for you (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the best part of it but yeah again like this movie um you know as a kid's writer like you just you want to be exposed to how like different kinds of ways of doing it'd be interesting to see like how a european like kids film looks like compared to like you know goonies for example as the probably the 80s kids movie right yeah so which I will admit, I don't think I've seen. I feel fun. like um, Spielberg is a producer on this as well. I think he's touched it somehow. Like, could it be like kind of like how Tarantino brings like Hong, like Hong Kong films over? No, I or is it like, like it was he... made. It was shot in Germany, but I feel like it was maybe a co-production. But wow. it was definitely made for North America. Do you ever remember any like Neverending merch growing up? Like, Just like, like, like a t-shirts. Falcor like. Doll oh, I'm sure there's a Falcor doll. You know, like, because I don't recall, because I remember, like, being a kid and looking at oh. Toys R Us catalogs and, like, remember consumers distributing? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, like, their catalogs and stuff, like, and seeing all kind of merch. But I don't ever recall anything from Never Ending Story, which is weird because, like, they do, they merch the crap out of everything back then. I'm just looking up Falcor doll real quick. There's got to be a <laughs> Falcor doll for, for sale. Oh, my God, it's creepy as shit. Yeah. I would. Oh, no. Sorry, in 2016, there's a Huffington Post article about how the world is losing its shit over a, over a homemade uh, Falcor doll. Yeah, I'm, like I meant like something in like 1984, 85. That, I don't know if there was. You know, I like a, you like I a stuffy or something, right? You think there would be? Because it's not that hard to make. It's a, it's a, it, it kind of you know begs itself to be uh, to be made. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the. Uh, Amazon has Amazon.ca has one. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, all right, well, let's dive in. All right, let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we just finished. All right. And your brain is just like mush. <laughs> I... I don't even know where to begin, man. That's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Okay, let's just let, we'll start from the beginning. Gerald McRaney, yes, drinks orange juice with one egg, <laughs> which is like I guess like the '80s equivalent to a protein drink. I there's got that's gonna be called something. I'm looking that up because uh, an egg and orange juice. I mean, he did bl- put it in a blender. I mean, it's not like he rockied it. That's true. <laughs> I. Whew. This movie, man, it was not what I was expecting at all. There's an egg and orange diet if you look it up. Oh, it's called the original Orange Julius. All right. There you go. (laughs) 
I, I don't remember them putting an egg whenever I've got it at the mall or something. Well, maybe they do and you don't know it, eh, Jag. <laughs> what would happen? There's literally a thing on Google. What would happen if you put an egg in orange juice? Orange juice with vinegar both contains... Oh, God. <laughs> this is why eggs fizz in the liquids over time. But you know what? Wow. He downed it like a champ. He didn't wince. He didn't... You know, and the camera was on him the whole time. No, he wasn't scared. Yeah, that was his. That was his breakfast. Like there was no cut. Like he he legit took it. Yeah, he so. drank that thing. He made it himself and he drank it. <laughs> I figure I, that's got to be like a, a regular drink. Yeah, I, I I can't. I'm not a big egg guy, so I fresh squeezed orange juice mixed with rum <laughs> and raw eggs makes a drink tasting like an orange Julius. <laughs> the rum is optional. Well, you don't want to take that in the morning, right? The rum. But like you, uh, <laughs> that really took you for a loop when you saw that. I don't know why. <laughs> I, oh, I just, I look at it, I'm like, raw egg, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, okay, anyway, let's get past that. Yeah, Jeremy Rainey has one scene. Uh, yeah. But, I, he, I was, he was the most impressed, before we move on from the, the Orange Julius <laughs> that he drinks. The thing I was most impressed by that is he has a couple sips when he's sitting down. Yeah. How does that thing not get stuck in that magnificent mustache? <laughs> that mustache was something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I can't... Uh, man, this movie, man. <laughs> so it's, it starts <laughs> off... Basically, McRaney gets one scene to establish this concept that like his son's head is in the clouds. Yeah, he has to put his feet on the ground. Was that the... I guess. Was that the... It's like his the, mother died, right? His mother died, and apparently he's a dreamer. Who yeah. skips I mean, school. as a as we're both writers, I mean, I really wish they kind of dug a little deeper into that stuff, like his pain, right? I mean, let's 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 just uh, talk about the elephant in the room. Everything on this movie is surface. There yes. is no subtext. Yeah, one well, there I are, mean, there is, but I mean, like, there's it, three locations. One is called. I mean, there's more than three locations, but here are th- the names of three locations of this movie. One is the Swamp of Sadness. Yes. Another is the Nothing. Yes. And the other is no, this, this... Is the Nothing actually like a place or is it a character? Like It's very vague. Yeah. It's both, really. Yeah. And then the third is the Sea of Possibilities. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And what happens in the Sea of... The, the Swamp of Sadness? He loses his horse. But why? Because... Because the horse is sad? Because it can drag you down. Yeah, man. He, they, 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 everything gets laid on pretty thick in this movie. See, like, okay, like, I mean, let, let's go back a little bit to the beginning, I guess. It's like, I mean, not necessarily the beginning, but like, okay, so song? he's a side, oh, oh God, he's a side kid, and his mom know, just died. His mother dies, you know, he's trying to figure himself out. He has bullies, and, you know, I, I can get behind yep. all that. Yeah, all this stuff, very universal. Yeah, good stuff set up. I mean, you know, like we Good can, kid story stuff. Yeah, and uh, then when we get to that never-ending storyland, Fantasia, like, things get... I mean, I like, I like mythology and stuff like that. So, like, a lot of me is thinking, like, is this a lot of this stuff, like, the visuals that you see... You know, with like the different kind of creatures, and is that European mythology or folklore or anything like that? Because that's interesting. Because visually, yeah. like both you and I agree, like this movie looks really great. The production design in this is phenomenal, especially like the the puppetry stuff, the costumes, is all that Henson? stuff. Like, I mean, I don't think Han- no, it's a German company. I didn't see like, Henson's name American anywhere. American movie, like this is set in like you know, like this kid is in America, unless it's like. Well, actually, no. I mean, like, the names, like, when we saw the credits, like, those are it all... It says it's... I mean, it, it looks pretty American yeah. in terms of, like, the setting, but it, uh... I don't think... I'm just looking quickly at the because, credits. Like, I didn't see a Henson name in there. Because, like, that puppetry was, like, for 1984. Level. Like, that was stellar stuff. It was great stuff. You know, and, like, some of the... You know, like, some of the special effects, like, you know, the costuming was really good. The makeup yeah. was really good. The Neverending Story 2 was... Six years later, and it was Jonathan Brandis. That's what I remember. Mm. It wasn't the same Rest kid. <laughs> yeah, but he's still he's playing Bastion though. And I mm. remember George Miller directed it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I gotta rewatch. That's the one I must have watched more as a kid. That's the one I remember more. I don't I, like. I said I've never seen it, 
But that's the the commercial that I remember. It's that that's the one I have more of a memory of, and I remember him like being in the world a lot more. Because you said early nineties or something, maybe that. That's, that's what 90, I'm thinking right? of. And then there was never any story three in '94 as well. Wow, I definitely did I not know that. that. I'm that, su- I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if like. Oh man! And the third one, the bully steal the magical book. Wow, those bastards! Little fuckers! <laughs> oh, the dumpster straw. We have to talk about the dumpster. Jack straw. Black is in the third one. <laughs> the dumpster straw. Jesus. The dumpster of straw. So again, everything's heavy-handed in this movie. They're in a city. And to escape his bullies, he jumps into a dumpster in an alleyway. Always in an alleyway. Don't well, ever he's, go. He's thrown into the dumpster. Oh, is he thrown? Yeah, he's yeah, thrown in it. Because he doesn't have any money. And he tries to get out of it, and he's covered in straw. Straw. From the straw store. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, maybe it's a European thing. Maybe they fill their mattresses with straw. You know? I, or like it's a pet it. store, maybe? Maybe. And that's all the, the, the stuff from the, the cages? I don't know. Right. There's no rhyme or reason why that thing is full of straw. And then, oh my god. So yeah, anyways, like so I recognize an actor, um, Deep Roy, who's an Indian actor. Yes. Uh, I thought that was him. In he was He's in, in Willy Charlie, Wonka. Yeah, yeah, yeah Charlie's yeah. uh Johnny Depp's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I thought that was him. But it was the guy that like rides his, the, the speed snail. Yeah. <laughs> the racing snail. <laughs> and then um so I recognize him, but I, it was so, like, his voice is so funnily dubbed over. Yeah. You know, because I would expect an accent from a gentleman like that. And, you know, and it's like this, like, the, the whitest, like, like dubbing over ever. But, you know, like, in that scene at the beginning, like, the rock biter, like, that, that visual is amazing. That's a great scene. The puppetry in that is, is like, phenomenal. It looked awesome. And, like, the turtle, the big turtle a little later. Yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> I can see why this is a kid's movie. Yeah. You know, like, you can't... But, I mean, I think, like, there's ideas there, like, when he's... You know, like, in terms of, like, what the... What Fantasia really is and all that stuff. Like, it's imagination. That's what this movie is. It's an ideas movie. Yeah. And it's great. It's full of great ideas, but it's lacking story, really. Yeah. It's lacking a kind of, like, real quest. Because things just kind of randomly happen, and we just... He doesn't save the day really right like the hero i mean like he just well, stuff just happens to him that's just it things randomly happen we go from one place to the other with no rhyme or reason right it's just a series of like scenes that are kind of strung together with and who's the hero of the story yeah it's, you, you know you're following arteo and then but it's also but it's supposed to be bastion at the end and Bastion doesn't know what the fuck to do. He's literally told how to end the story. <laughs> it's like he can't even figure it out. She has to tell him. Yeah. Oh, he, I guess his goal is he has to believe and he has to be willing to believe in fantasy. Like, I like the idea. I mean, I like the idea of a kid struggling between fantasy and reality dealing with the loss of his mother. Like, I think... That I like that idea. They didn't execute. They didn't it. do that. You know, like, he's not like he he skip. He doesn't skip school. He goes to school, but he skips classes. He goes mm-hmm. up to the attic, which is <laughs> this like dungeon esque thing. That yeah, it looks like, like it looks like an abandoned uh, drama class. That's what I thought it was. Like I because you know there is like costumes and weird stuff in it. It's a random skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like lighting candles and there's a storm happening outside and well, he stayed there late. Yeah, and I mean like I get you know like <sighs> <laughs> The Deep Side. I just can't I No. I didn't I didn't hate the movie. Like, no it's fine. It it's chugging along, it's yeah. got great visuals, it's interesting, it's super heavy handed, it's super yeah. on the nose, nothing is subtle. Uh but it's entertaining, it's interesting, and then it just the ending is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the worst endings. There is no ending to this movie. I can like. I mean, I get. I mean, it doesn't make sense. They yada you know? yada the ending. Yeah, it's literally he figured out how to go into the book, and he did a lot more. But you know, we're not telling that story right now. That sounds like the most interesting part of the story. Yeah, and, and you're like, not going to give it to us. And like the scene where he's riding Falcor, you know, chasing the bullies. Like it's just like this does make doesn't make any sense. Like it's. Is it still in his head? Is yeah. it in the book? You know, wh- wh- does he return the book? Who's the old guy who gives him the book? You know, who like, clearly set him up to take this book? Yeah, like what? What the hell? Oh, there's a lot of questions. 
You've got to watch Never Ending Story 2 now, Jay. <laughs> I guess I do. I feel like I remember it being a better movie. In terms of story. I won't look... I will not, like, go on Wikipedia. Because usually, a lot of times when I see a movie and I, like, miss something, I'll go to Wikipedia and I'll have, like, the summer. I won't do that because, you know, if we decide to do number two... I feel I like you didn't miss anything. No. <laughs> Can we talk about... Uh, yeah, here's another thing is, like, there's some, like... For a kid's movie, there's some, like, heart, like heavy stuff in this. Like They, okay, they know enough... To not show the horse die or drown. Yes. But the sphinxes... The sphinxes have these giant breasts. And they and, and it's not even like they casually show them. They want you to notice them. We saw nipples and like, and like close-ups, like lingering shots. Not only close-ups. Straight on. Low angle. Close-up. They want you to really go, oh, there's giant nipples on the screen. Yes. And then even... <laughs> My son would lose his mind if he yes. saw this movie. Like, I I couldn't even fathom. And it, it's just... I mean, I guess... Do you think the version that we saw was a theatrical? Like, do you think that like, maybe they might have, you know, like, had a this, little... I rented this on iTunes. This is the only version that they have on iTunes to rent. Yeah. That I am aware of. <laughs> so, it's not like this is the director's cut where he's like, more titties. Or yeah. Wolfgang Peterson is just like... You know what's missing from this movie? Sphinx tits. But like even when even when the wolf died, like they showed blood. They showed, yeah. you know, a treu stabbing it. When know. the Sphinx the, the the dude that the the Sphinxes blow away, he takes yeah. the helmet off. That's a That's, gory face. Yeah. Oh the Germans, man, they don't care. <laughs> I guess, but Yeah, I, it's it's definitely a bit more it's harsher than a typical kids movie of this era, I think. Yeah, I can't think of something of that era that would have such graphic whatever, you know? Yeah, it's very, like, I guess what I think this is most more akin to, rather than something like Star Wars or Willow. Sure. Or, you know, adventure movies with a story and a plot. Mm. This one's more like a fairy tale. Yes. And it's and so everything's really heavy-handed. The, the metaphors and the allegories are, like, really on the nose. But even fairy tales have like a moral, not just the moral <laughs> story, but it's like, you know, like they have like, you know, like this is the quest, like, you know, you were saying, and yeah, this is the resolution. But Arturo has that. They're like, but here's the thing, but Arturo is just given the most vaguest quest. He asks no questions. It's like, you have to save the empress because she's dying of what? We don't know. What did he have to get? Who fucking knows? At one point, it's like, oh, we've been looking for a week for the cure, and we can't find it. What is the cure you're looking for? You don't even have a tangible yeah, like, goal. There's not, I mean, like I said, like, like again, like this is a kids movie. You know, you don't. But I mean, the kids aren't morons. Right? No, but you got I mean, like you have but, to give. Them you have to give them something, something to sink their teeth into. Which is like, like what is the thing? Like she's looking. They're looking for a flower, something, whatever it is. What like, are you looking like, for? Even I don't if know. The moral of the mess of the of this film is, you know. It's okay to dream. It's okay to have an imagination. Well, that's it's okay what it to is. Do that. It's not spelled out or portrayed in a way where where that message can be found. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like when he doesn't come to that conclusion himself, he's just told that it's okay at the end, and he accepts it. Yeah, like say your mother's name. I don't even. I didn't even get catch what the name was. Moonchild. Moonchild. Moon His mother was native, apparently. Oh. I don't know. But that's the yeah, name but he comes up with. It, the The solution to his problem is to say his dead mother's name. Or, 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 in theory, it's this. It's to give uh, the Empress a new name. Right. And like For some reason, we tied it to somewhere earlier. He wanted to like... I don't know why. Like, why do we connect Part of that? me is kind of thinking like, give the Emperor, Empress the name of his mother... So that his mother won't die in his imagination and his, you know, thinking and whatever. Like his father was saying at the beginning, you know, let's move on or whatever, right? She's gone. What a dick. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to get in shape by drinking those orange Julius's. He's, <laughs> he's trying to get back on the market. He's gonna, yeah, he's, he's going to hit the singles more. And the bars and stuff. But that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, you know, like keep her memory alive in your fantasy world or whatever because you're a kid. And she represents whatever. But then you have him riding Falcor in the thing and taking on the bullies. And I'm like, this this doesn't make any sense. No. You it's know, a like, terrible it ending. 
Yeah, and that's what I remember. I remember it's like I remember the the Falcor chasing the bullies in the alley. Mm. But then I thought there was something else, and now I'm blending Neverending Story two with this because there was a scene I was expecting this that I didn't get, and I was like, sure. that's definitely in Neverending Story two. Right, and I mean, yeah, <laughs> and like even like Falcor, um, flying dog, but it's a dragon. You know, that's fine. I mean, looks amazing. Yeah. You know? Um, those flying scenes, obviously, you know, like, technology wasn't what we have now. No, it's like rear screen you know, projection. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, I can imagine being, like, a seven-year-old watching that in a theater and losing my mind, you know? Like, I wish I could have my own Falcor. Right? Yeah. But uh, whose voice is Falcor? That's not, it sounded familiar, too. Oh, I, I'm, I'm looking up. Yeah. I, I, no, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I, I, I was looking up earlier just actors that are in this thing, and, uh... Oh! There was a uh, a cartoon in, from '95. Jane Eastwood, a, t- a Toronto actor, was in yeah. It. I know who that is. She must have done Falcor. Did she do the voice she, of Falcor? Uh, she in was it? on a she was on a show that no. She was for. just additional voices. That's funny. Mm. They must have done the animation in Toronto. Yeah, probably like Nelvana or something. Yeah. So uh, Falcor was played by the childlike imp- empress. Is not. Where's Falcor? He's not in the credits. What the shit? That doesn't make any sense. See hmm. all. But anyways, like the voice sounded familiar. Like, uh, but I can't, I can't pinpoint what it is. Who it was, sorry. Oh, you want to know what Deep, Deep Roy's character's name was? What? I want you to guess. Uh, There's no way you would ever get it. It's, s- it's a nonsensical name. Squid Racer? I don't know. Teeny Weeny. Snail Racer. Teeny Weeny. I think yeah. he said that in the movie. And uh, he's actually voiced by Frank Leonard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Falcor, there's no, there's no Falcorn name credit. What the shit? Wolfgang Peterson gave himself a cameo as Man Who Drops Milk. Oh, I remember that. I remember when the kids are running away, hmm. seeing like one of the background guys drop milk on like the street or something. Hmm. Okay, I gotta Google this shit because there's no <laughs> way. Like, does how does that person Falcor not get a credit? Voice? Falcor voice. Like, it, you know, like, I, I look at, like, um, it reminded me a lot. Alan Oppenheimer. Yeah, he, he was the voice of Skeletor. Oh, Sorry. wow, you knew that. I can't believe I knew you that. You pulled that out of nowhere. I can't believe I knew that, man. Good I, for you. Well, I mean, there's only two Oppenheimers, so. There's only two? <laughs> there can well, there's, be only two. Well, there's one, the famous one, who helped work on the atom bomb. And, and this guy. <laughs> that guy. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a big He-Man guy, so. Um, oh, there he is. He was also, you know why? Because he has a couple characters. Falcor yeah, isn't there. He's he, also Rockbiter and the narrator at the end. He's, I think that he's a prolific uh, voice actor, like Frank Welker or somebody like that. Oh, um, yeah. He, man, he was Skeletor. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe I knew that. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else of this movie. Um, what, are you, what are you going to take from this into your own writing? Maybe maybe having things be less subtle and more on the I nose. Think be, no, well, I, I think it'd be nice to kind of like do a fantasy, a kids' fantasy movie. That I mean, I like a lot of the ideas, like in terms of the visuals and stuff like that. Like I like how nothing looks typical in any way. I'm surprised they haven't done a remake of this film, or I'm sure it's been in some kind of planning stage, development or whatever. Well, and I mean that's kind of the beauty of it is that it's so. It's really not... It's not a bad movie by any means. No. But it's no. not a great movie. No, no, no. And there is so much that you can uh, build upon. Well, there's interesting... Like, there's... I mean, they made three movies. They tried to do uh, a, a, uh, an animated show. It looks like it only lasted a season. I... Yeah, I vaguely recall that show somehow. I don't know... I don't think I've ever watched it. But I can, like, visualize in my head, like, animation scenes from it. Like, what it looked like and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never... Um, yeah, this movie was not what I was expecting at all. Like, I was expecting maybe a little Princess Bride-ish, you know? With a little bit more fantasy. But yeah. this one, I mean... Like, some of these sequences, like, in the mud or in the, the Swamp of Sadness... I mean, like... You know, I made the joke when we were watching it. Like, this poor kid. Like, what this poor kid had to go through. This poor kid actor... You know, Especially the swamp, swamp sequence. Yeah, like getting thrown around and like, you know, like... Oh, but that, he must have loved it. 
I don't know, man. 1984, like, it's, I don't think they were playing, like... In terms of the rules and stuff? Yeah, like, I'm sure that kid had some long days. Oh, f- well, no, they still would have had child labor laws. Well, I'm not, I'm just, like, long, like, physical days. Like, I mean, I've been on set with, like, kids who had to do, like, physical things, and it does take a toll on them, like, and yeah. such. And- Shoot the kids. Here, Here's a tip for uh, young filmmakers. <laughs> yes. Uh, when working with children. Shoot their coverage first. Yes. Because by the end of the day, even though you're still allowed to have them for like eight hours, they get really shitty and yes. cranky. Yes. So you, at best, you only want them for off-camera and, and wide shots that you're only going to do one or two takes of. Yeah. Uh, I think um, it's, it's, it's demanding on them. And especially for this kid. Like, he's, you know, like, I can imagine, I mean, like, I'm sure he was taken care of, but I mean, like, it's still long days Oh, in covered his, in mud and covered swamps. mud, like you know, wind machines in his face all the time, and yeah, you know, and he's dra- in every scene, right? Yanking so, a horse, yeah. Like I mean, he's in basically every. Bastion had it easy. He's in hand in an attic. Yeah, he's like lying on his stomach, you know, reading this book, <laughs> eating a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> but saving it mostly because he we, we got to <laughs> save this thing. I like little things like how like the book when he's reading it was getting closer to the end. Yeah, but the, I mean it's basic. He spent a long time in the middle. I mean it's basic, but I mean a lot of movies don't do those kind of little things, and yeah, I, yeah. I I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like as a writer for kids and stuff, mostly like I really look at this like as something like you could really have dug deeper into what was going on with this kid. They build the sympathy and build like. Yeah. You know, like, why, you know, like, the sadness of Bastion, like, I mean, kids go, kids lose, you know, their parents, you know, a lot of kids do, and, or that, you know, whether it's, you know, and, like, just how they cope with it, I don't know, I just felt like, you know, it just could have been deeper, and it would have been nice, you know. Um, in 1984, could you have done that? Probably not. I just think things were not, like, things were so heavy-handed, and we're not really integrated properly. I think you're right. I think this movie is is all potential mm. and great ideas, but I don't want to say poor execution. But just in, I think in terms of the story, it's poor execution. I think in terms of like technical and visuals and all that kind of Unbelievable. stuff, it's phenomenal. But it's missing like great storytelling from like an emotional point Do of view. Do you think that we are? Um, not looking at it the right way because we're not high. <laughs> we're not like maybe it's because it is like a European movie. Like maybe we're not watching it with that lens because it's like maybe it's like that their style. Sure, maybe? but it's made for North American audiences. It's in English. Yeah, I mean you're right. It's, I mean it's like it's like a Miyazaki movie, for example, right? Like when we when we watch it, we you know we get we fall in love with it because it's different and there's a sense of wonder but in like japanese culture like they're they know a lot of that stuff yeah you know and like they a lot of you know like obviously Miyazaki is like a master but there's films like that you know in their you know in 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 terms of what they watch as animated films or whatever but i don't know like could it be like maybe there's a little bit of cultural relativism that we're missing like Maybe. Because, like, in terms of, like, the mythology of it. Because I think... Maybe the mythology and stuff. But I think just in terms of, like, Bastion's story and all that kind of stuff. I, mean, I think that's just storytelling 101 that right. transcends cultures. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying, like... I don't know, like... I, I think you're being awfully kind, Jag. I, I mean, it's hard to make a movie. You know that. And oh, I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to be diplomatic. But, I mean, like... No, I think it comes down to... I Wolf, didn't, well, because Wolfgang Peterson has writing credit on this, too. So, I feel right. like... He came up with this world and this idea. That means that guy is making making bank every time they make a, <laughs> a, a spinoff or a sequel or an animated show. But I think it's like it's just he's probably a director that's really good at at like core concepts and visuals and stuff, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a writer. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen that where it's like I've I've, I've had like scripts from a direct a person who's a director mostly, and it's. You know they don't go in deep like they they're thinking visually and they're you know when they're in, when they're on set their vision comes to life in a way that you, you know as a reader of a script I wouldn't have seen like it's not formatted the right way and all that stuff but yeah I mean I, I'm sure it was like his script was probably pretty vague and it's like you know let's just get these cool visuals and well, like, he's also probably thinking it's a kids movie so it's like let's not let's not we can't be too subtle. Mm. 
So yeah. I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested watching showing this to my kids and seeing what they pull out of it. My son would be super critical of it. I think my daughter would be into it. Yeah. I think she although I I think I can see why it would like capture their attention, you know. Yeah. But cuz I mean people do love this movie. Like they, you know, it's not I've never heard anyone really be critical of it in like a, you know, oh this thing is cheesy or whatever. Cuz I think it's like one of those movies that was kind of like I you know, you you can relate to Bastion because a lot of kids felt like isolated loners. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but you're, you're right. It's like, I don't think people... People don't mention this movie in an ironic way. No. I mean, there, I, I, while we were watching, I did think of the Simpsons joke where Lionel Hutz, the lawyer, he uh, he try, he wants to sue the producers of The NeverEnding Story for false advertising because it... Because it ended? <laughs> it's just... It, it, was a, it was a good line. But um, there was something else in it, I can't remember, recall now, that was I saw in a like some kind of take on it wasn't Simpsons or whatever but yeah I mean um <laughs> that and even the song wasn't as prominent as I thought it would be you know no it's just it's at the beginning even though I mean it's part of the score you it's know? part of the score and then when when Bastion enters the world for just the briefest moment it's just a real like you just real thing it's ramping up to something cool and then it's it's just and then it the narrator just yada yada is like, yeah, Sebastian did really cool stuff, but we're not going to show you any of it. Like, yeah, and oh god, and, there was, <laughs> and then there's a scene before the 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 nipple sphinxes with, with these little people scientists, the old people, you know, the, the guy, doctor and a scientist, and the one he, he always she's like a witch doctor. He keeps on calling his wife or his partner a wench, which made you laugh a lot. So yeah, well, she was the witch. I mean, wench, wench. Oh. Yeah, he called her wench. Wench is a funny word. Yeah. Wench, I think I hear wench and I think of pirates. Yeah. But, I mean, like, again, like, I totally glazed over that whole part. Like, I was like, I don't know what is going I on. Was, that was the part where I was starting to nod off. Yeah. It was after that because I, it just, for me, it was just like, I'm not following anything. It's just going from beat to beat. Yeah, and I was like, what is this dude really, this old guy really doing like why does he care well even the moment where i was nodding off it was like it was during like the rock thing where then nothing is destroying everything and then when i when i got back to it it's like all of a sudden they're in space and falcor is fine again you know they got separated at one point how they got back together i don't know <laughs> also how the hell shit was was <laughs> how the hell shit <laughs> was was arturo was supposed to get to the empress when she lives in space falcor just randomly came along and saved him I don't know, man. He had a horse. Nobody stopped him. No one was like, hey, you need more than a horse to get there. Yeah. He was on a pointless quest. Yeah. Like, you know, it was like he, he's been down for like, like, he was, you know, at the beginning he was like, he's been traveling for a week. And didn't find anything. Didn't find anything. Again, we don't know what he's he got for. hurt and before in the swamp and then uh, Falcor saved him. And he's been like injured for days or whatever and is mended and all that. Randomly, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, think, I, guess, I think it was the scientist and the wench who. Well, the only explanation that uh, the empress gives is that you needed to suffer through all this stuff so that the kid reading could read it. Mm. But why? I don't know. It's just. Do you think there was some Wizard of Oz elements in this as well? Like I thought, like when it when they went at the beginning, like he to... was supposed to be. I don't. I don't know. Like, is there a parallel between him and Arturo? Something like that. Well, I think maybe. they mention there's this mentioning that. Uh, well, they don't really do it though either. No. There's this moment where they say he has to go to this place and be confronted by his true self, which is hard because when people see like a strong person sees someone that's weak, mm. when so that's and then they do this like this transparency where like their faces are over each other. Yeah. So you get the sense that. You know, Bastion is the the negative side of Arturo, right? Right. And even and that's when he throws the book, and it's like this went too far. Ugh. But you don't know what he's talking about. No. And because, I was like, you know, like I, I think like based on you know, because there's a scene, there's a big, there's a quick cut where he looks at his backpack, and it's like, you know, the Buffalo Hunter, you know, Aboriginal cartoon or whatever it's on the on the a hunter, right? And so like you look at Arturo. Trio, our trio. Yeah, it's like, did he manifest that character? Into yeah, the book? and like it's like 
everything that Bastion wants to be is our trail. Like he's a yeah, he's a hero, he's a warrior. Yeah, there's definitely a parallel. There. Well, even like going back to what the old guy tells him when he's trying to like tell him not to get the book, but he's clearly trying to bait him to take the book. Yeah, it's like this is not like a regular book. Like you really put yourself in the story, right? And you can get stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're expecting like yeah. that setup to be him getting. It's like a Jumanji where he gets sucked inside. Yes, yeah. that's what you're expecting, and that doesn't that's, come out. That's what I. That's what I assume this movie was. That's the second he movie. He falls I think. into the. He falls into the book, and he goes on the quest that our trio. What? I think all the sequels on. and everything else does that. Which, which would make a lot of sense. It right? would be a story. You know, like it's Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, it would be a and, story that we're following. Um, here's, here's the thing I was, I, this connection that I would Ivory Tower, is this where that comes from? Or like that? I think, I, mean, I, I, doubt I think it. the concept of the I mean, Ivory the counts, Tower goes further back. But it's interesting that they use that terminology, right? Because like when you look at, when you hear expressions with ivory tower, it's always like in a negative way. Like you up there in your ivory tower. No, I think, I think that's a much, I think, I think there's like Shakespearean things. Yeah, I'm sure there is. It's just, it was interesting that they called it that in this film, you know? Yeah. Um, well, this film's not exactly laying on. <laughs> they have a place called the, 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 the sea of possibility. <laughs> yeah, man. That's where I want to live. Um, that's true. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. It's like, it's, uh, I kind of want to, I don't know how to process this. <laughs> like, no. And in fairness, I don't, maybe it's not even worth it. Well, I think it's like, I think part of me wants to desperately just watch the second one tomorrow. Mm. Uh, but also maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the second one being more engaging in terms of like a proper story. Yeah. Uh, and it, part of me is like, I'd love to show this to my kids. But I also don't want to watch it again myself. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I can just put it on and walk away and then come back an hour and a half later and be like, what well, you Well, I mean, think? thankfully, it's it's well-paced. Like, it, it wasn't long at all. You know, like, it, it meanders, but it wasn't like... I think the nice thing is, is like, my, my son in particular would be expecting it to be really cheesy looking and yeah. bad effects and would be really impressed and shocked mm-hmm. by how, how good the production value is. And then be drawn in because of that. And would probably, until he and I started talking about it, right. would just... I'd be curious to know his thoughts on it. I might just sneak this into him. But just watch it. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean... And then I'll watch part two with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Man, I just... No, you're okay. Your your brain is melting, and it's, <laughs> it's kind of... That's what this I movie mean, does like to I it. Like I said, I did not dislike this movie. I just didn't expect it like i don't know like i just felt like there's so many cool things that it introduces that i wish there was a little bit uh, not a little bit like considerable more of like yep. like the rock biter i thought looked so cool i'd um, watch a rock biter movie i mean i think like just seeing like and you know like because it looks like a sca- i thought like when i first saw it, i was like oh th- is this the villain of it like is this and it, you know it's a kind-hearted you know that scene where he says, like, I couldn't save them. I mean, that was a good scene. Like he, My hands, I thought they were so strong. Yeah. Rockbiter's an amazing character. But again, it's really just like, on, in a different kind of movie, like a Wizard of Oz type kind of thing, they'd be with him on the journey. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, why are you introducing these specific characters if they're not going to go along with No, it's, I mean, kind of like the downfall of the movie is you're just really following our or Teo, who's not the most compelling character. No. I mean, like, he's, I mean, he's... He's just, he's fine. I think it, maybe. Do you think maybe they did that on purpose so like kids can any kid could kind of relate to him because he's not that you know unique. I guess I think I think it's just again I think the filmmaker I I, I don't know it just it's not like a, a typical kind of like uh, adventure story from this era that we're used to expecting. No, I mean I, I can't think of anything cl- similar to it at all. Like I. And it's I, mean, I like the fact that it's different because we don't need another Princess Bride or no exactly because I mean we have that right but it's just yeah it's just not I don't think for me it's not as successful as some of those movies are because no. because of it I mean I think like if if you took Falcor out of the film I don't think it would really be talked about that much because I think his his like 
he's so unique as a character from yeah. that time period that he's like the mask. It's like you know, like he. His, well, he's definitely the mascot of the, of the series, right? Which is funny because like, like I, I've never heard his voice. I never knew he had a voice. I never knew he talked. He talks. He speaks like an old man. You know, like this old uncle or whatever which is kind of like funny to me but then it it's kind of makes sense because it's like you know like sesame street like big bird and snuff yeah. off i guess they, they didn't sound like creatures they sounded like okay well, well, maybe those aren't good examples yeah and but. falcor feels like someone that's been around for ever yeah i mean it always, he's seen some shit man it always like when i always look back to like the, the 80s and stuff like i look at like optimus prime he sounds like a forty-year-old man, right? Here's Orson Welles. Yeah, it, no, that's uh, that's um, what's his name? Gal? That's um, oh yeah, you're right, Unicron or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Optimus Prime, but and, and like you know, the story is like when they killed him off in that movie, in the cartoon movie, like parents were like very upset, because, and they all rode in, and then you know Hasbro or whatever was like, you know, we better bring him back in the the, the next TV season, which they did. Yeah, but it, it's just because. They didn't realize like this like forty year old sounding robot has resonance, you know. Like, but um, yeah, this movie, this movie, man, <laughs> it's gonna stick with you in a weird way. You're gonna go on a deep dive of Google when you get home tonight. I'm gonna try to avoid it, but you know, I think, like I said, like I like the ideas of like imagination being powerful for a kid because I think, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for your childhood, but like you know the action figures and building your world. Oh I mean, yeah. You, I see. Well, I mean like I see you exploring it with your kids, like, you know, with the Legos and all that stuff. Right. And I, I think like that is something that it feels like we kind of got away from in terms of like kids, pro, kids stuff. hundred percent. Kids don't play the way that we played. But I, I'm, I'm talking more in terms of like the movies for kids. Like we yeah. don't really, there's not like, what's the fantasy kids movie nowadays. I mean, there's the Marvel movies, but we don't really, you know, like there isn't really that kind of. I mean, Lord of the Rings. We're not that far away from the Lord of the Rings movies. My son watches. I mean, Harry Potter. Harry Potter is yeah. not that. But it's a little. Harry Potter's still rooted in kind of reality. You know, I'm looking at. I'm, yeah. I'm talking like pure fantasy. Yeah, like things that are really way out there. You know. Yeah. It really there's isn't not a lot. like that. No, because they kind of try to keep the one foot in reality so that kids can relate to them, I think. Yeah, I mean, relatability. I remember, like, pitching TV shows for kids and, like, that's one of the big... There's two bu- bu- buzzwords, relate, relatability and toyetic, so that, you know, for merchandising and stuff, toys. Yeah, make sure the kids feel invested so they'll buy shit. Yep. That's what it breaks down to, Jag. Pretty much. You know, can, can you... I mean, I've been told that by many broadcasters, so... yeah. But yeah, I mean, but I like I said, like I liked the idea of like Bastion coming to that realization that it's okay to be yeah it's imaginative. Just, it's I, just too bad it wasn't more organic and it wasn't like a moment where he had to prove himself. Yeah, I mean, like, he should be he should have been the one to figure that out, not the yeah. Empress kid telling him, you know, this is what it, like breaking it down for him. It's like it should have been him. You know, at the at the bleakest moment of the film, Bastion should have been the one who comes to that realization. To or just it. something where it's like his dad has shown up at the school, mm. has been looking for him because it's clearly fucking night. And mm. He didn't come home, and it's the idea that it's like come home now, and it's like he has to choose between like being a grounded kid and going home with his dad, or staying and living in the fantasy. Yeah, there's no give him a mo- give him a choice to make. He has no choice to That's make. That's why I didn't really like that why scene. Why wouldn't he save the world? That's why I didn't really like the scene at the end where he's riding Falcor, uh, you know, over to the bullies or whatever. I mean, it looks cool. I'm sure the kids cheered about it in the theater, but it's not... It doesn't make sense. Like, it's just... No, it's that moment where the kids in the theater feel like they're 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 Bastion and they're in I the mean, movie. Like, I, if they wanted to, I mean, why not say, like, you know, this book is magical or show... This book is magical and there's ramifications in the real world and Bastion has to do something to save both universes. Both worlds, yeah. You know, or whatever. Um, because like there's scenes where like there's storming outside and stuff when he's in his attic dungeon theater thingy headquarters and I don't know, it would be cool if they just kind of like, you know. Yeah, again, this this is a film that's just like chock full of wasted opportunities mm-hmm. to like make it richer and deeper. Yeah, I mean, like, if you were, if you, there was a remake of this film, who do you, who would you want to direct it? Favreau. Really, John Favreau. That's it a, would, wow, that's a you went to, you got that. Went he's that the quick. go-to. He yeah. like 
the way what he does with world building and just like resonance of character and theme, I could see that he would kill it. I mean, I mean, I, I could I could make a list of ten actors. I mean, Taika would do amazing Taika things would with be it. Really good. Would do amazing things yeah. with this. Oh, for, yeah, he would be great too. Yeah, I mean, Favreau. I didn't see the Lion King, but Jungle oh. Book was really good. Lion King's not great. It's just Jungle Book was really good. I like Jungle Book a lot. Mm-hmm. Lion King, it just does it pales in comparison. Well, to I think Lion King, they just follow the beats of the film. Right? They literally do, even like the visuals, and it's just for some reason like just the doing a like a, a, a fake live action version of these characters was not as emotionally relevant, emotionally compelling as the animated counterparts. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, Favreau would do a great fan. Taika's would be really funny. Yeah. Would be well, I just think of what Favreau did with The Mandalorian, mm. and it's just well, like... I haven't seen that in those Oh, it's so good. Not a Star Wars guy, can't. But it's so great. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. You could watch it as a standalone and not have to watch any other Star Wars, and it would pretty much work. Maybe I'll give it a shot. And shot. it's great. But that's uh, good. But Taika would do amazing things with yeah. it, too, because he would have so much I fun. I mean, Hunt, Hunt for Wilder People is one of my favorite movies. Like, I just love that. And movie. he's really good with, uh, like... I mean, a lot of his stories are very much stories about kids. Mm. Literally, yeah, there's, JoJo there's was like that. Boy too. was that. Yeah. Uh, like he, a lot of his main characters are children, so I think he would do some really interesting stuff with it. Mm. Yeah, he'd be. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he, he would be a better choice than Favreau. Actually, now that I think about it, I think he would do deliver like a more um, intimate movie. Than Favreau would, but Favreau's like would be more expansive. Like it'd be, it'd feel more epic. Yeah, but what would be great about Taika? Taika would lean into like Taika the could kook- do that too. Man. He would lean into the kooky and the weird in a great yeah. in a great way. Yeah, I mean, look at the Thor movie that he did, right? Like it would be kind of like that. Even. Yeah, it would respect the source material, but also let him do his thing. Mm. Oh, if Ta- if I read tomorrow that Taika was doing an Ending story, I'd be first in line. Yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd, I'd be on board with that. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I saw Jojo Rabbit this past week, and uh, I I really liked it. I didn't think it was his best, but I really did enjoy it. There's some great stuff in there. Like, some of that stuff is just, uh, I really, you know what, I really wish, actually, I don't want to, we shouldn't talk about it. We We can say a spoiler about Jojo Rabbit if you haven't seen it. Well, I mean, I wish they spent more time at the military camp at the beginning. Oh, that's not a spoiler. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of people haven't seen it. I mean, I'm not going to spoil, like, the rest of it, but... You know, Scarlett Johansson got nominated for an Oscar. Oh, I know. I was going to say the nominations came out today, and I was glad she got nominated for Marriage Story. But when I watched Jojo Rabbit, the first thing when I came out of that, I'm like, if Scarlett Johansson doesn't get nominated she was for... was delightful. If she doesn't get nominated for Best Supporting, it's a crime. She is hilarious in that movie, heartbreaking, all the I, things. I didn't see Marriage Story yet, but she... Uh, she I think it was one of her best performances I've ever seen. She's phenomenal in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I think... Uh, she, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's so many good performances in that movie. Yeah, like, I really liked it. I mean, I, I, I there whatever. I mean, it's not the Jojo Rabbit podcast. That's okay. Episode, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I re- I think as like filmmakers, like we are, or, you know, you more than I am in terms of film. Um, I really do kind of wish there would be more boundary pushing in terms of fantasies. You know, kookiness yeah. and stuff like that. And kids now are, are more savvy. Like, kids would... Like, I think my son would watch this and be like, that's not an ending. Right. Like, they, they want more and they're expecting more and they want things to... Even though they can't articulate what it would be, my son would know that this movie I could be better. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. I mean, Pixar's got, got it locked down. But I think, like, even those movies, I feel they played safe a lot, too. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, like, I like... I want to see more filmmakers like really challenge things, you know, the boundaries in terms of not necessarily in terms of like violence or darkness or whatever, but like stories that are really outside the norm and not yeah. derivative or anything like that's why like this movie, um, never ending story. Like I, I respect it for what, cause it's, there's what nothing, it's like to it. do. you know, like there's nothing like, like it at all. And I, I really think that, you know, if you have some cachet, like, as a filmmaker, like I really, uh, those are the filmmakers. It's almost your all, job to push it and do something. Those are the filmmakers I've always respected the most, right? Is like the ones who are like, you know, they're not doing the same movie over and over. Well, that's Ta- Taika. Like, like you look yeah. at it, it's like, what's he do after Thor Ragnarok? He tells the story where a kid's like imaginary best friend is is Hitler. Yeah, I mean, like that. <laughs> I, Can you I, imagine I, that pitch meeting? 
Yeah, I can't. I, <laughs> I was reading some of the like the um, the uh, the reviews for it after I watched it, just to see what the because you know it was it had some it was generally well received, but it had yeah. a lot of people because like you know like one of them was like you know in this day and age you know with you know fascism and Nazism kind of coming up again you know in certain political realms and you know social worlds. Um, you know, it's irresponsible to do this, but it's not... I feel like that's written by someone who didn't watch the movie. That's what I felt. Like, I mean, it's, it's not glamorizing Nazism at all. Like, it's there's nobody cool in that movie who is a Nazi, you know? like it, it's, Sam Rockwell. Well, I mean, he wasn't cool, though. He was kind of a dork, right? But yeah. But he was a good dork. It's fair. You know, like, man, that movie... I gotta see that movie again. It's so good. I gotta watch it again, just... Because I feel like when I finished watching it, I... I didn't... In, I was like, huh, I don't know. But now that it sticks I, with you. Yeah, you know, like especially Scarlett Johansson's performance. So good. Um, you know, Taika himself was really funny in that movie. So so good. Yeah, I actually wanted more Taika in the movie. Like I thought it's probably the that, right amount. I don't know. I kind of right wanted amount. a little bit more. Like, I, I think I was expecting more based on the the trailers, but I think in hindsight it was the right his, amount. The the kid, the main kid character's friend. I can't remember. He was his name. so good too. The kid with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know, like he was so funny. He's just, I, 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 I know it's not Yorkie, his name. Yorkie, Yorkie, Yorkie. He oh makes me God. think of uh, Piggy from Lord of the yes. Flies. <laughs> and that's probably just because he's a chunky little kid. But yeah. I keep on thinking of him as Piggy. Yeah. And but Yorkie and Piggy, they they got the E's at the end. Yeah, they both look this. I'm sh- I'm sure Taika probably got it from that. Yeah. But you know, I mean, like you know, going back to Neverending Story. Yeah. What are your final thoughts? I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, I respected like what they did. I just, you know, like as like as a kids writer, I just and like I just wish there there's just like I think you said it yourself. There's potential. There's so much potential to like make this something so much like deeper and heartfelt. And um, I think with the Bastion character, I really wanted. I mean, he, he just kind of seemed there for, to me, and I really wanted yeah. to, like, be involved in his journey. You know, like, I really wanted to feel that sense of loss for for his mother and, like, what this... Like, he, he does... He's the same kid from the beginning to the end, more or less. Like, he doesn't really grow. He doesn't go through an, he doesn't go through, uh, an arc or a journey. You know, like, maybe he's a little happier at the end and maybe he's more confident with dealing with his... That's because he's riding Falcor. But it's like... I mean, like, he shouldn't have to ride Falcor, you know? Like... It should be like he should he should be able to fly in the real world. Yeah, I mean, like as cheesy as that sounds, like it's really true. You know, like yeah. I think, um, you know, like <laughs> if if anything, the ending of this movie is super depressing, and that it's like the kid's only happy when he regresses into pure fantasy. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I was thinking of. Like, you know, there's no. He would find a balance in like the mo- a remake. Right. He would find a way to find a balance where he was happy in both. I mean, like, I think like, you know, like he should be like a writer himself. Like he should be writing these stories himself. And the never ending story is kind of like the manifestation of this, of him, his storytelling. I, I don't know. Like it's just, yeah. I, I just felt like there needed. Possibilities to- are endless, Jack. <laughs> yes. I mean, I just felt like there, there was just. So many missed opportunities to like, cause like I said, like we both agree, like this thing looks incredible, you know, for a 1984 film like this, like I've seen movies since 1984. I mean like the budget, it wasn't probably that high. No, but it was, it was the highest budget movie in Germany at that point, which right. I don't know. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, but, um, but they really, they did like, it looked amazing and yeah, yeah. it just didn't live up emotionally. No. That was my thoughts as well. Yeah. I well, don't know. Uh, well, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Are you going to check out the second one at some point? I'm going to let this one uh, sink in a little bit. That's neither a yes or a no, and I completely respect that. I mean, like, I don't know if this works, if this happens for you. Like, if you'll see a movie and it inspires you in such a way, like, that you write or create something, not necessarily similar, but something, you know, like, if I watch, like, a really great horror movie and I was like, I want to write a horror movie. Yeah. Um, not exactly the same as like Get Out or Us or whatever vampire movie, but like I want to do a vampire movie or whatever. But I mean, I can't, I, I would love to do a fantasy type film for kids, 
Um, but I, I think it's almost better like where I think where your head head is at right now, where the idea of like being inspired because you like, you see the potential and you want to see that potential come out properly. Right. But I mean, I think there's been a lot of movies where the the, the protagonist falls into a magical world or whatever. I think it'd be cool to kind of like, I don't know, do something on that, but in a different way that no one's seen because that Alice in Wonderland trope has been done, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming over, man. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for the never ending story. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.